0: Hi, everybody. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine, Jill McAulier. Um, She's the founder and CEO of Invisible Girl Project, which has become just really near and dear to both Jed and my heart. And so I wanted to interview her today so you could learn a little bit um, about the organization that she has started and what that looks like and even your involvement in it. And so I've got a series of questions I'm going to go through with her. So we are so glad um, to have Jill here and we'll get started just with a couple of questions. I know you and Brad started Invisible Girl Project together. So how long have you been married and how did you meet? Tell us a little bit about you and your hubby
1: so uh, I was living in Indianapolis, Indiana in 2007 and Brad was in Indianapolis also We went to the same church in Indy never met each other. I even helped lead worship there and never met him I don't think he even saw me ever lead worship and I had an interview and then ultimately got a job offer to work for an international human rights organization and I was going to have opportunities to potentially go live in India. With that said, my church had a mission trip to India. Um, and this was in the fall of 2007. And so I thought, well, maybe I should go check India out and go on this mission trip before I make the decision to go live there. And although I never met Brad while living in Indianapolis, we actually met on that mission trip to India. We were in the very north of India serving at an orphanage. And about a month and a half after that, is when I actually moved to India. So that trip helped me make the decision to move. That trip um, did not ignite sparks for us at all. I mean, I thought he was a great guy, but I was going to move to India. So um, in January of 2008 is when I moved to India by myself, did not even have Brad on my mind that
0: ultimately we would get married. Wow, that's amazing. So, so cool to kind of hear the start of your story. So then from there... How how did it all get started? Once you did get to India and then meeting him and then Invisible Girl Project. So
1: I moved to Chennai, India, in January of 2008 to work for this organization. I was doing super rewarding work helping rescue people from slavery. It was dangerous and it was exciting. And I know you talk about. Enneagram and Myers-Briggs I'm totally the adventure someone and so mm-hmm. this is like and I'm a seven and an eight so I have the adventure but also like I'm gonna go pursue justice so this was a perfect job for me mm-hmm. I did there in January 2008 after living there for four months um, Brad and I had started emailing each other just a little bit And um, I came back to the United States in April, just after having lived there for four months to speak at uh, this organization has a a very large global prayer gathering they did at the time. And Mm -hmm. I was speaking at this event and Brad came to the event and my parents were there too. And they happened to meet each other. And that's when Brad said, I don't care that you're living in India. I want to date you long distance. So because Skype is phenomenal and and worked back then, (laughs) we actually dated long distance, Uh, from April of 2008 till December of 2008. And we got married in December of 2008 back in Indianapolis. And then he took a year off of work. He's a pharmacist by profession. He's no longer practicing pharmacy himself, but um, he works uh, uh, more in business now. But um, he took a year off from being a pharmacist and came with me to India. So we were on an airplane in January of 2008, nine, um, January, and our first year of marriage was in India. So we were newlyweds. We'd been married for about three weeks when we um, really became confronted with female gender side, which mm-hmm. is the systematic killing of girls just because they're female. And yeah, and so we just had kind of one of those decisions like, oh my goodness, what are, what are we going to do about this?
0: So then, from there, you're married now. You're in India and had started this um, this organization essentially from seeing what was happening to these young girls, just the injustice of that, right. which was already in your spirit that I, you're going to fight for justice. That's how God designed and made you. And then, so you're a lawyer. How did you go from practicing law to leading this Invisible Girl Project? Where'd that mm-hmm. So really, it's so neat to see how God
1: just orchestrated all of this. Mm -hmm. So having worked for this large international human rights organization, I became familiar as a lawyer with the criminal justice system in India and um, helped lawyers there prosecute bonded labor slave cases. Well, when we became confronted with female, really it's infanticide at the time, which is the killing of a baby girl when she's born just because she's female, and yeah, like I said, we had only been married for about three weeks when Brad really specifically, he was the one who met a, a woman who, um, years before her, her own parents killed uh, 11 of her sisters in hopes of having a son. So the mom would get pregnant and have a baby girl and then they, she would kill her own, they would kill their own daughter just because they wanted a son so desperately. And finally, upon having their 12th daughter, they decided to let her live. We call her Asha. And um, when Brad met Asha in a remote village, uh, South India, in uh, January of 2009 is when we were like, this is, this is real. And so with me practicing law, so here I am over here, I wasn't practicing so much as training other lawyers and getting to know the criminal justice system. Brad was um, doing some medical camps for the poor and um, getting to know organizations that were doing great work to help rescue these baby girls and little girls before their trafficked. And so uh, just over the course of 2009, we learned more about the problem. We met a man who had written his 300 plus page doctoral thesis on the issue. And we got to know Indians who really wanted to stop this problem in their country. They just wanted help Um, whether it was to have their capacity increased or funding or strategic planning. And so even really over the course of that year, we didn't know for sure what we were going to do. We just knew that God was moving our hearts to do something. Mm -hmm. So at the end of 2009 is when we moved back to the United States. And um, really the foundation for Invisible Girl Project got started.
0: It's amazing so you've described a little bit what gender side is specifically to you talked about the babies and then now female gender side as a whole how how does that affect countries like india and what is that on a bigger scale
1: sure sure so a lot of people have heard about the discrimination of girls in china and Mm -hmm. i think here in the western world we've heard a lot about that but people don't realize that this is happening just as much and the numbers are as staggering in india as they are in china So basically what has happened about 10 years ago, the United Nations estimated that there were 50 million girls and women missing from India's population. Now, if you think about it, the U.S. population is about 330 million people. So if you take almost a sixth of that, like that's how many girls and women the U.N. estimated were missing from the population. Well, that number has gone up. India itself said, uh, just within the past couple of years, they think that there are about 63 million, 63 million girls and women missing now. So what that means is you have a number of men, millions and millions of men who will never be married. Mm -hmm. And so then what happens is girls are often trafficked at very, very young ages to become child brides or into brothels. And as Brad and I were studying this issue and, as Invisible Girl Project has grown really over the past 10 years, we understand that there are many things that have led to girls and women going missing in India's population and and girls and women being killed. And um, as we mentioned, female infanticide, baby girls being killed. Um, There's also female feticide, which is sex-selective abortion. Uh, Couples illegally find out that they're having a baby girl. It is illegal in India to to find out the gender of your baby. And the reason why is India recognizes that it has a problem and that people will want to kill their daughters in utero. And so and they've made it illegal. And so we see that that has resulted in millions of unborn little girls. And then um, we see that girls, again, go missing. Um, you know, if you're, you're married at the age of 10, 11, 12, before you even reach puberty, uh, you're forced to marry a man who's at least twice your age. Um, you're likely going to be abused. He's going to try and force you to have a son. Because once again, you have the son preference that is prevalent. Um, And so these girls just go missing, killed, um, or abandoned. Uh, We see little girls who, uh, because they are so unwanted in their families, they'll be abandoned on the side of the road. Uh, We have two little girls who we support now through Invisible Girl Project, who were just abandoned by their mother, by the side of the road. And fortunately, one of our partners, one of our Indian partners found them and was able to rescue them and put them in a safe home where they are cared for and where they are loved and where they're taught that they are inherently valuable. So we see it just play out in so many different ways, but we know that this is a systematic problem across India. Indians actually recognize that and want to do something about it because we know that it has also led to increased violence against women. And we also know that it's led to increased trafficking
0: Yeah, it's heartbreaking to hear it's like we can be in such a bubble in the united states even just and not realize what's outside of our doors and almost want to turn a blind eye that seems like the easier solution just to not know about it because it's it seems too big or too hard um and so that's one reason i'm thankful that it's like you've brought it to us mm-hmm. and brought the issue to our homes and in our homes and Um, made us think about, are we okay with this? And are we gonna do something? And I know you probably have tons of stories, but I know stories really impact people. And I think about um, one of the first stories I heard that made an impact on me to wanna get involved. Could you share any specific stories um, just about your work on the field specifically? Sure, sure.
1: So I generally try to go to India at least once a year to meet with our partners and to then meet all of the girls that they've helped rescue. Um, over the course of IGPs, Invisible Girl Projects Inception, we've been able to help our partners rescue over 425 little girls from being killed, abandoned, trafficked. And um, we really go upstream and rescue them before they're trafficked. Mm-hmm. So, um, It's just always so encouraging for me when I get to the field and get to meet the girls that are the newly rescued girls over the past year. So um, on my recent trip, I met uh, a young girl and um, I'll call her Harani. Uh, We always change their names just to protect their identity. But um, Harani was 12 years old and um, unwanted in her family because she's a girl Mm -hmm. and uh, her family wanted to marry her. She wasn't allowed to go to school. Um, She wasn't, she was forced to work like in the chili fields, uh, which means just picking those hot spicy chilies. Um, And this is as as a child in the hot sun, um, which I just can't even imagine. So she turns 12 and they want to marry her off uh, because Mm -hmm. they know that they don't have to pay a large dowry for her. Dowry still is practiced in India, which is uh, when uh, a girl's family has to pay the groom's family mm-hmm. uh, to marry their daughter, it's still practiced even though it's illegal. And so, but the younger girls are the the less of a dowry that the family has to pay because these younger girls are more desirable, which is just sick to me, frankly. Um, but she was 12, and she wanted to go to school. She um, did not want to be married, and um, she had no idea really that that was her family's intention. And so Harani woke up one morning and her mother had a sari laying out for her and said, you need to get dressed in this. And she didn't know what was going on. Mm -hmm. And um, she got all dressed up in this beautiful new sari. And they took her um, to a place where she was then forced at the age of 12 to marry a 28-year-old man. And um, so the marriage ceremony happened. She was then, she was fighting them. She didn't want to be part of this at all. She was then dragged to his house and tied up to a bed where she was going to be forced to consummate the marriage. She escaped. She was able to untie herself and escaped from this house, from the bed, and ran off. And um, she ran, fortunately, to a target area that our one of our partners works in. And and there was a woman there, actually, who who found her, saw her by the side of the road, saw how distressed she was, said, "Let me help you." And um, this woman has basically taken in Harani as her own daughter, but also our partner, because our partner works in this woman's village, had been able to already start working with this partner and tell her about the value of girls. And that's why when she saw Harani in such a desperate situation, she said, come with me, let me help you. Yeah. And so she's raising Harani now as her own daughter. Yeah. Harani is safe. She lives uh, in a safe home that we have that's nearby this village where um, her adopted mom lives and Harani is now educated, uh, she's being cared for. I just sat next to her and I have to, I have to say that like this is a real story, it doesn't seem real to us because we think of just how um, unfathomable this would mm-hmm. be to us here but this precious girl shared her story with me with tears in her eyes, but with hope now. Mm -hmm. And um, hope that she has a future now, knowing that we will send her on to school, pay for her to go to college, Mm -hmm. uh, that she won't be forced to be married, that she someday will be able to choose whoever she marries. Mm -hmm. And um, she knows that she is inherently valuable. She's created in God's image, and she's gonna be protected. And so that is her hope now.
0: That's amazing. Such a great testimony of the work that's happening there. Also, like I mean, just gives me chills thinking about because like you said, it's not fathomable to us. It's just not something we experience here as something we're used to. What have what would you say what have been some of um, Invisible Girl Project's greatest victories that you've hmm. seen since this has started?
1: So just of course over the the years, this was just an idea that Brad and I had just because we felt so um, moved to act, and that we couldn't just sit idly by while we knew that girls were being harmed. And and, and there was no real light being drawn to this issue, Mm -hmm. um, that there was no international organization doing anything. And so I just think Invisible Girl Projects Foundation itself and like the founding of it itself is a huge victory. And then over the course of the years, um, We started a child sponsorship program, so we knew that our partners were rescuing girls. Um, There's actually an organization in China that does similar work. They rescue little babies who are abandoned. Mm -hmm. and They rescue them for one year and provide for them for one year. We know, which is awesome, um, but we knew that to really curb this problem and have an effect in India long-term, we wanted to help these girls over the course of years. And so, we started a child sponsorship program and that helps support all of our girls who have been rescued. Mm-hmm. So um, it, once a little girl is rescued, she is either in one of our safe homes where mm-hmm. we know that she will be kept safe, or we have other partners that try and keep the girls with their families because we know that India, uh, the family dynamics uh, need to change and we want families to recognize the inherent value of their daughters. And mm-hmm. so once a girl's rescued. Rescued, we either put her in a safe home or we keep her with her family, and then we support her for years. And we do that through our child sponsorship program. And so I would say um, it, it, it's a great victory in the fact that we were able to establish a child sponsorship program. But with that being said, all of our girls right now are sponsored. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty consistent that um, if a girl becomes available for sponsorship, she is picked up right away. Mm-hmm. And, and that means somebody here in the US or in the Western world. Agrees to sponsor a little girl. Um, it, it's about $50 a month now to sponsor her and 100% of that goes to the field to support her and care for her needs, pay for her education, pay for her to have clothes and food and be cared for. So I would say that that's a really uh, huge victory, I think, for IGP and the fact that we've had a successful child sponsorship program and that there is a desire for people here in the west who want to support these girls we're so different from other child sponsorship organizations too we're not huge like um a compassion or world vision and um and in in the fact that we have a very clear mission and our mission is to save girls lives in india Mm -hmm. and our child sponsorship program supports those
0: girls whose lives have been saved right that's awesome and i remember when i first was hearing just about the vision of invisible girl project it was like i want the gospel to be made known to them and i remember asking you about that and and the thing is is the gospel can't be made known to someone that never has a chance at life and so it's like Mm -hmm. we have to start with life before we can bring them to a place of sharing the good news of jesus with them so Mm -hmm. um i think that's a good reminder too you know when you're reaching out to help these girls it once we we've got to give them a chance and also be a voice for the voiceless essentially right. that's right um, so what have been some of the hardships you've experienced in this journey with Invisible girl project
1: oh gosh um right now i would say is is really difficult you know of course it's difficult for all of us we've never experienced a pandemic like this uh, in our lifetimes uh and it's particularly difficult, I think, um, in that we know that our girls are in more dangerous situations than they ever have been. The news coming out of the field in India is that uh, because there has been a stop to uh, selective surgeries or abortions right now in India, they believe there will be about 1.5 million unintended births in about nine months. Wow. So we know that A majority of that number or at least equal number will be girls, unwanted girls. And we know we have a mission to help rescue as many of those girls as possible. And so we're just really praying through this that God will provide um, so that we can further our mission and scale our work to help all those girls. But but it's hard to know. Um, We also have relationships with government officials which is really important to us that that we work well with the government again we never wanted to come in as westerners and be like india you have a problem we're here to fix it Uh, we want to work with indians and that is working with indian government officials who recognize that this is a problem too so we have built we have staff on the field in india who are indians who've built relationships with government officials one of these officials has come to us and said we believe that during this time there will be a number of child marriages And so just the thought that there are little girls right now who are being forced to be married, who are then being raped is is so hard. And um, it's something that I really lament over um, on a daily basis, just because my heart is so heavy for this work and for the little girls who don't have a voice and who need help. And so um, that's something that I just and thinking about and praying about every day is all these girls who who need help. Now, the good news is is we want to be uh, the ones who help them and we're going to do whatever we can to help other Indians, other organizations, as well as our staff on the field to help as many girls as possible when the lockdown in India lifts on May 31st.
0: When I love that idea too, of working with local Indians and empowering them and giving them the resources or whatever to help them help their people, essentially, versus coming in, and not partnering along with them because they know their culture, they know their country, they know way more about it than we ever could just by being born into it. So okay. I, I love the partnership there.
1: I don't know if you've ever read the book um, When Helping Hurts, it's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah, so you know that like in so many ways, while it makes Americans feel really good to go in the field and yeah. to help do something on the field, they believe it actually could be hurting people. Um, you know. If we went on the field and, and built a house, you know, you're taking a job away from an Indian person who is wanting, needing that money to, to right. survive. So that's where we just really thought, again, that it was so important to work with Indians and also really sensitive to the fact, like having lived there, I think helps. Yeah. Um, while I was, while we lived there for, you know, I was there for two years. Um, I was familiar with the history, of course, of India and the fact that it was colonized by the British and then there were still, um, There was still hurt that was there. And so I really always wanted to be sensitive to that Mm -hmm. and sensitive to to Indians and um, to their culture.
0: And when I was thinking about hardships, you know, you talked about some of these other child sponsorship organizations like World Vision that um, or Compassion that have lots of probably marketing and lots of well-known just followers and um, get a lot of the larger platforms so is that a hardship for you of like making invisible girl project not invisible you know like so people do yeah. it and how do you overcome that how who are you how are you getting in front of people to educate them about this
1: so you know that is hard because we are, we're not a huge organization and in some ways um while we started in about 10 years ago um 10 years ago, I was also having my first baby. And then we had a second one. So I, we have two little girls of our own who are nine and six. And my husband was still practicing pharmacy, like we had to pay the bills. And, mm-hmm. and so really, I would say within the past three years is when we started being able to even hire employees to do this work full time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so in some ways, Invisible Girl Project really is, is in its infancy still. Um, and so we're not a huge organization. Um, but with that said, um, that's where we need people to help us to yeah. spread mm-hmm. the word to first of all, like us on Facebook. Um, and, and, and that helps champion our cause because we think when people start hearing the truth that they'll be compelled to act like, like yeah. we were like you are actually mm-hmm. like you mm-hmm. and I sat and talked about this and, and you were moved by this. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's so much of just like teaching people about what's really going on mm-hmm. and um, spreading awareness that is difficult though. And so, um, You know, we are just uh, a really tiny fish in a huge pond. Um, But I think the more that we tell others about it, then the more Mm -hmm. the word can spread. And so that's where we really need other people to jump on, you know, along with us and joining this journey to help raise awareness about the issue and, and save girls'
0: lives. And so can you speak to specific things that people could do today, this month, this year to get involved? What can we do as a community, as individuals to help?
1: Um, yes, please. Go to our page. It's Invisible Girl Project. It's that simple three words. Find us on Facebook. Like our page, you'll start being able to see uh, what we post about mm-hmm. our rescues, about girls that we've been able to help, about what we have going on, some of our, our campaigns that we have. Um, mm-hmm. That's one way immediately. Go to uh, our website. It's Invisible Girl Project. Dot org, all one word, invisiblegirlproject.org, you can sign up for our newsletter list. We send out a newsletter at least once a month. And again, it talks. In our newsletter, we talk about our campaigns, we talk about ways for people to get involved. There are other ways to also get involved through our website. We look for people who, who like advocating, who can talk to uh, their elected officials about legislation that would help our work in India. There are so many ways if you go to our website or Facebook page or Instagram. We're on Instagram at Invisible Girl Project. So please follow us and and that's one way that you could get involved. Then we ask people who are really active on social media to become our ambassadors. We have brand ambassadors, um, people that we want to help us spread the word. Again, the more that people know about this, we think the more that people will care. And so um, let us know that you want to be a brand ambassador. Send us a private message um, on one of the social media platforms, or you can send an email to info at invisiblegirlproject.org. That's info at invisiblegirlproject.org, and let us know how you want to get involved. In the Raleigh area, we always look for volunteers. We uh, have people who we need to volunteer, help write letters to our girls in India to um, to get involved in really like the hands-on, day-to-day work that we have going on. So we always would love to have more people volunteer and help us out. And again, we're so thankful. I'm thankful for this opportunity, Ashley, Mm -hmm. and so thankful for all the people who've already championed IGP and who Mm -hmm. will come alongside us because of our chat today too.
0: Yeah, well, I have one last question. I know we're out of time, but it's important to me. I just wanna ask, how does faith play a role in the work IGP does? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd love to end there and then, Again, we're gonna encourage people to send in their stories of how their family is involved. So please put that in the comments. We wanna hear how you're involved or how you wanna get involved or if you have questions about being involved. But how is faith a part of this? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, uh, my husband and I um, are Christians and we believe that Jesus calls us to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with him. Um, throughout throughout the Bible, um Christians who are familiar with the Bible know that um again and again God tells us to be a voice for the voiceless, mm-hmm. um but He is a father to the fatherless. Mm-hmm. And um in Psalm twenty two, uh I've just been really praying this week just arise, O Lord, oh God, lift up your hand. Um do not forget the vulnerable, Um, and we know that God promises us that he cares cares for the vulnerable, but we know that we as his believers need to be his hands and feet here, Um, and and that's what we are honored to do through IGP is to really um, help those who are in need right now, and uh, that's really our goal in IGP. Our faith motivates us to do this work, and so um, that's why we do what we do.
0: That's awesome well thanks for sharing all that and again if anyone has questions please reach out um, to either of us we're happy to answer questions um we'd love to hear your stories of how you're involved um, like jill said jed and i have gotten involved and try to be very supportive of them knowing that we can give our resources which is at this time in our life which is money while we're working so our time is here but they're giving their time to go um build this to protect um little girls essentially in India so thank you for all of your hard work there and your heart for these people um and I hope that we can do this again. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's good to see you. Me too see you Joe. All right bye, bye everyone Thank you for joining me today, and if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me, at home, where it all begins.